And that, like, I'm in love with my ADHD diagnosis. That's like us, this cheesy, but it like really is a superpower. I'm Kimberly Rolfs. And I'm Rena Barch. And you're listening to Where's My Mind, the podcast where we have the kind of conversations about mental health you have with your friends, not your therapist. Where's your mind, Kim? My mind is, well, I did something interesting on uh, Monday that I haven't talked to you about yet because I've been saving it for this moment. But I have been talking to my therapist for a while about taking kind of therapy break a little uh, sabbatical, if you will, where I uh, don't go to therapy for a couple months. Haven't you kind of been doing that by just not going to therapy? That's the thing. Because I've been like dreading it so much and showing up there like, just like, I don't have anything to say to her. And I don't, necessarily think it's because I'm like repressing a lot like I think it is a little bit of that um but whatever that is is like buried so deep that I need to figure out what it even is before I can talk to another person about it Mm. but also like I've just been feeling like I've been processing things in a much healthier way than I was a year ago and I've been kind of toying with the idea of, like, maybe, like, I need to find a different therapist. Like, maybe I've kind of reached the end of my sort of, like, journey with this person. Um, Because I've been seeing my therapist since 20, very beginning of 2015. So it's been, Mm. like, four years. Mm. Um, Which, like, I mean, I know some people have their therapists for their whole lives. But, like, that's that's a long time to me. Um, And, but kind of came to the consensus that, like, I really like her as a therapist and she's helped me a lot but like I need a little bit of space to see how I do without it Mm. um so I'm taking like at least a month probably like more like two or whatever I feel like I want to go back or need to go back and like always have the option to like call her if I need her Mm -hmm. but kind of releasing myself from the obligation to go and like try to dig up all of this stuff and be able to like use that time for something that I feel like is going to help me more right now, Mm. if that makes sense. It does. So that's a little update on my life. You're the second person today to tell me that they were taking a break from the therapist. Really? Isn't that weird? I didn't know that other people were doing that. Yeah. I felt very unique. Yeah. No, I guess people do it. That's Um, cool. I mean, that makes me feel better than I'm doing. (laughs) I, 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 I did try to take a break from my therapist. Um, a little while ago, but then I got some ma- really major news that made me very quickly be like, no, actually, actually, yeah, no, I, cause I started by being like, this is t- because I can't hurt anyone's feelings. It doesn't make me feel good. So instead of being like, I, I don't want to go to you anymore. Right, right. I was just like, this is too expensive. Can I just see you every other week instead? Yeah. And then I got this news and I was like, can I see you three times a week? <laughs> <laughs> I only right. go once a week, but, um, yeah, it was an unsuccessful. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of been like, my therapist has gotten a little bit definitely more than a little bit annoyed with me because I like I'm always canceling and like some of the time it's like because like I really have somewhere else I have to be but like some of the time it's like I just can't do it today like I don't have anything in me I don't want to trek 45 minutes up to the upper west side to sit there in silence for 
like most of the session and then come back and like the idea of it just gives me so much anxiety like thinking about commuting there and it's just like it's like adding more stress to my life than it's taking away right now I have so much respect that you can do because <laughs> I, mean, I I whenever I I think about that because I definitely get into those modes where like I just don't want to go like I yeah. don't feel like it I need to repress today or or I have nothing to say like I'm actually yeah. just okay and there's yeah. nothing I want to talk about I feel about. like that's like what's happening to me now is that like I'm actually just okay yeah. and I want to be okay with that and enjoy it and tr- and rather than trying to like dig up something yes you know but I always like I don't know. I don't say this to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to express the bad thing I feel. Sure. It's just like, I know if I cancel on her, it's too late. Even within 24 hours or on the day, like she loses that money. And not that she's for want of money, but <laughs> like she can't replace that slot. And I totally understand from her perspective how annoying that yeah, is. And so yeah. I just show up yeah. and pretend to talk about whatever bullshit that's not actually bothering me and yeah. pay her the $200. Yeah. But like, I should just cancel. Yeah. But I can't because I feel bad. Right. I mean, I think that that's like the good person thing. No, that's, I think that's stupid. I think that's me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like what I would do if I considered other people's feelings. <laughs> You can say other people's I, feelings. Just not her feelings. And that's fine. Well, it's a professional relationship. Yeah, exactly. like, I don't have to get... That's her job. I'm paying her to not to not have to consider her feelings. My therapist yells at me for considering her feelings too often, so... Yeah, I literally never consider my therapist's feelings. Except I did feel kind of bad asking her if I could take a break from her. But she was, like, so happy with it. And she was like, I think that that's the right choice for you. Like, you've come a really long way. Cool. Yeah. So where's your mind? So your Mondays are free now. That's the exciting part. Mondays are free now. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, at least for the next couple. I feel like I'm having trouble being like, I'm done with therapy because I don't want to be. Like, I feel like I'm going to want to return to that, like, after a little bit. But for now. But, like, for for right now. Yeah. Yeah. For the summer. My mind, this is going to get really dark oh my god my mind is for some reason really obsessed with death lately okay and not in a suicidal way um i would like definitely trigger warning (laughs) i have been having a lot more of um so shortly after my mom passed away i had a really hard time thinking about her not in the like context of the last five days I spent with her in the hospital while she was dying. Mm -hmm. Um, It took me a really long time to remember her as like a healthy person who I spent most of my life with. And for some reason in the last two weeks or so, I've I've been reliving that hospital period really, really strongly. And it is very deathy. And traumatic. No, very much so. Very much so. Um, And I haven't really thought about it like this in years Mm -hmm. so I don't know what's triggering it yeah but my head's in this space and um it's not just her like I randomly thought about when I went to Sri Lanka years ago we met my friend and I were traveling and we met this girl at this elephant sanctuary we were at she was British and she was just traveling around the world she was really really young and we found out maybe six months later that she was in Australia and got into a car accident, like one of those RV things, uh-huh. flipped over on the beach and she died. I didn't spend that much time with her. 
I don't know what it is that made me think of her, but for some, and this was, this happened year, she died, this was the same year my mom died. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I started thinking about her. Like, I don't know what reminded me of her, but just the fact that she was young and she died. And like, I, I was running in the park last night and it was a really, really beautiful night. My neighborhood smells like honeysuckle all the time, which is one of my favorite scents. And like the sun was setting and everything was like golden and pinkish. And I was experiencing this really beautiful moment. And I was like, I can die now. I can't die now. I don't want to die now just because I smell honeysuckle. But something like my mind is just very quick to jump to death. And I don't yeah. know why. That's, it's weird how those like, I feel like for me with stuff like like death or even hearing about like somebody's parent or like relative like died unexpectedly. Like it's always the like unexpected or like sudden mm. death that like scares me so much um but it it makes you like think of your own life in a different way mm-hmm. and like I feel like recalling I mean I have no idea like why you would be experiencing that but I feel like recalling those sort of memories makes you kind of like think about your own mortality and be like be like okay like what do i what do i like value what do i kind of like what's important to me what if i like i sometimes think i'm like okay what would i miss the most if like i didn't have if i like couldn't have any of this again like i would miss riding the fucking subway like you know what i mean like and it kind of like in a nice like this is a very nice like thing but like it makes you like appreciate small things more but at the same time you're thinking constantly about like okay like I could die at any moment which is like very stressful yeah and there's something very weird about experience like it's good to appreciate the small moments but there's something very weird about in appreciating those moments thinking about mortality because that's what it is it's exactly that it's that like this is the kind of small thing that I would miss Mm -hmm. but why does that make me think of death like why am I thinking of it as missing it instead of being like what a lovely evening. Right, right. It's, always, it's like jumping, like, it's like, it's kind of like what we were talking about in our, like, self-destructive episode of, like, being more comfortable being unhappy. So, like, when you're experiencing a positive thing, it's like, okay, yeah, like, when I die, like, I'll think about, like, instead of just being like, oh, this is a really nice moment. I'm really happy to be alive. It's like, it's like, okay, like. Appreciate well, this because when you die, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, I'll be dead soon. We're all going to die soon. Like, the so planet is weird. beautiful, but it's melting. But it's melting. <laughs> uh, welcome so, to a podcast. Welcome to a podcast. <laughs> um, so our guest today, super excited about this. a really awesome conversation. Um, we're really excited for you. To hear it, our guest today is Zoe Michaels. Um, She's a friend of mine from school. She's an artist, a musician. She's learning how to tattoo. She's a really talented singer-songwriter. She is multi-talented and has a lot of amazing insight and stories about her mental health and her journey. Um, So yeah, enjoy. Here with Zoe Michaels. What's up? Very excited. Um, Zoe, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. I am Zoe Michaels. 
Yes. yes. I am a Capricorn sun. I'm a Pisces moon and Leo rising. Uh, what else? That's important. What do I, what do, I do? <laughs> do? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, we're already going to get into it because, like, it's very ADHD related. Oh. I'm like, truly a, like, jack of all trades, master of none type. So I've had, You're like, master of a few. I okay. Like <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're mastering. Yeah. It's ongoing. Um, yeah, so I have a bunch of different side hustles that I've been working on. I nannied. I, I've worked at every job ever. But I'm learning how to tattoo right now. Hit me up on Instagram at Zoe Michaels. And you also do, um, Right, okay. I'm a musician. I write kids' musicals. I write my own music for grown-ups. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I write music. I've been drawing a ton. I've been trying to take after my roommate and, like, write graphic novel because I'm a copycat. And, <laughs> yeah. And I do tarot readings. Yeah. And I'm trying to get a big girl job. So we'll see. I feel that. Aren't we, all? Yeah. Aren't we all? Yeah. Big, big person job. Big that sounds person. weird. <laughs> Large person job. Yeah. I mean, sure. Um, yeah. You've been through a few diagnoses. Yeah. Do you have a current one? Ye- so, yes. What is it? Okay. Well, most people I've gone to are, like, so reluctant to, like, say it out loud to me. Yeah. But I know now, like, my therapist is, like, I got, I have, like, friend vibes with her. Or, like, she's young. It's cool. Um, she, like, told me that she, like, has to put something down for your insurance to cover it, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I do officially have an ADHD diagnosis. And honestly, I don't know if these are official, if I'm, like, diagnosed with, like, generalized anxiety disorder or depression. But, like, they're symptoms that accompany it. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the current one. Yes. What have you, what have you had in the past? Yeah. <laughs> What's the, the past um, Okay, I'm trying to think of the first time it was, like, prevalent. I mean, like, since I was a toddler that I've been, like, taken to therapy for, like, separation anxiety because of, like... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, there was, like, a long gap. Like, toddler and then, like, didn't like, figure out the shit until... separation anxiety? Yes. Like, there's some trauma in okay. there. I don't remember it, so it's not, like, consciously painful. <laughs> but, like, it affects my behavior literally every day. Um, Did your parents know about the trauma? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, not like a, not, well, I was going to say it's, it's not that bad, but like that's a weird thing to say. About your but it was like trauma. I have an older <laughs> half brother who like literally suddenly one day, it was for my dad's previous marriage. They were contentious, like terrible, whatever. And like one day I literally never saw him again for like, for like 10 years, something like that. So I was like 15. And that is he was cool. It was great. Yeah. But, yeah. I can see where you would get separation anxiety. I would just, like, cry at swimming lessons. I mean, I still have that, probably. Yeah. But (laughs) I'm not free. Yeah. So I'm I'm okay. So after your toddler experience. Right. um, When when was the next, like, time you have, like, memories of having, dealing with, like, your mental health or being, like, something is a... I don't remember a time when I didn't feel that. Okay. But, like... As far as, like, being aware of it and, like, talking about it. Well, it got shut down for a lot. I would be like, I think I have anger issues. And I was, like, 13 and really into Buddhism. So my parents would be like, well, it's not very Buddhist. 
at you and like tease me. What? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, where was I going with that? Hold on. Um, do you remember uh, a Buddhist? You were <laughs> I was a Buddhist. Yeah. Okay. But the next time I like brought shit up, I want to say, oh, I'm like mixing two times together. I had, like, a brief, like, eating disorder moment in high school. It was, like, never diagnosed, like, not. But I, like, saw a nutritionist. I was probably, like, 16 years old. And then also that was, like, first relationship and then, like, messy high school breakup, which is, like, very funny to look back on now. But it was, like, hell then. Yeah. Um, that feels, those kind of things feel so intense when you're in Oh, my God. Like, it's the end of the world. like, Oh, also, bullet. also hormones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. that's like so everything in, that happens in high school. You're like, this, like, I'm about to die of the pain. That yeah. My heart. Plus, all this shit was undiagnosed, especially the ADD, which I can like get into. But like, the undiagnosed part of that is like the actual illness. I think. Oh. What do you mean by that? Well, I think okay. So for me, ADD, ADHD, they've changed. They're like the same thing now, officially. Whatever. Okay. Um, oh, I guess I should yeah, do explain wanna, that. Like, define, like, define I, I forget. We're always in like a like mentally aware bubble. So I right, like, like yeah, forget yeah, things. For people that don't. Yes. Know. Okay, so I'm also like not. This is also new to me. Not an expert on any of the shit, but apparently now in the DSM, they're like, it's all. What is it? It's <laughs> all ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Uh, and there's like two types. You can be hyperactive or inattentive. Or I think you can be both. I think I am both. But it used to be like those types were like ADD, ADHD. Okay. I use them interchangeably. They're all basically the same thing. They yeah. just manifest differently. So what are people. some of the symptoms that you experience with that? For me, yeah. uh, first you'll hear it. I literally forget what I'm talking about <laughs> mid-sentence. Um, oh my god, there's so many. I'm going to forget them which is also a symptom. I have like a very not great, I forget the different kinds of memory, working memory, um, some sort of memory I've got some issue with, but I also smoke too much weed, so <laughs> don't know which that one's from. Um, I'm a fidgeter, like, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something you have to sort of like be aware of and like I have fidget toys and like be aware of like if I'm Taking out my skin or like doing a fidget that's not physically healthy. Um, which also like there's so much tension in my body just from that of like like constantly shaking my hands or my bow, whatever it is. Yeah. Um what other symptoms? Oh, I get hyper focused. I feel like this is just gonna be a boring list. No, it's not what I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like curious to know how it manifests. Right. I'm hyper-focused or I'm, like, so disinterested. And I heard, I think it was, like, an ADHD podcast, but I can't drop a name because I don't remember. <laughs> but somebody coined the term, like, fear of losing interest, like, FOMO, oh, but, like, fully. <laughs> so it's just sort of, like, which happens to me all the time of, like, I'm so reluctant to start something or, like, pursue something because I'm, like, well, in a month I'm going to be bored of it. Yeah. Which sucks, but, like, that there's evidence, there's a pattern that that's a thing for yeah. me. Yeah, you definitely have like multiple oh, yeah. that you like bounce around. And I get like obsessed with one at a time, which is yeah. such a blessing and a curse. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's cool because you really like 
hone your skill in that one area and like right. totally throw yourself into it. I feel like that's like I mean maybe in some ways better than like trying to do a bunch of different things at once and like never really focusing on right. That. That's just, true. Like, what I do at the same time, my brain is doing that. Yeah, and then a lot of like people. So people think with like ADD, ADHD, like. I don't know, at least I did, of, like, a five-year-old boy who's, like, jumping off the walls and, like, has toy guns and is, like, your cousin who loves, like, blowing shit up or something. That's, like, the stereotype, which is a thing that exists. (laughs) But, like, especially in, like, women, I don't know how to say that, or people, racist women, are, like, so severely underdiagnosed because it shows up so differently. So I'm, like... I am hyperactive, but it shows up in, like, tiny little fidgets, and my brain is hyperactive, not always my body. So, like, if I'm talking so slow and I sound like a dumbass, essentially, it's because my brain is, like, way ahead. I'm, like, there's so much happening. So, for me, my – okay, this is very personal to me. I don't – this is not, like, medical talk. But I none of uh, anything. Yeah, sure. My <laughs> <laughs> uh, ADHD does not exactly feel like a mental illness. It's more like I feel like it's like learning disability land of like, or like just being like non neurotypical. Yeah. Of just like, um, like, okay, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. I feel this way that there's like no upside to depression or anxiety you know what I mean like yeah. aside from like oh it makes you like realize how good good times are like whatever right yeah no I I honestly like think of, I'm not like like I'm, I'm I never tend to think of being like oh here's the positive things about like depression or anxiety right. or, like I don't feel and even with BPD like I don't feel like there are any positives yeah. other than the fact that it's made me really self-aware of right. like what sure. I need to work on with myself. You hear him so deeply. It's so annoying. You're <laughs> the <worst laughs> victim. Oh my god. I hate that. That was that was one of my past diagnoses. So went down that road. What, what was one of them? Uh I was like I think wrongly diagnosed with BPT because it was like an NYU counselor who <laughs> like didn't even know what she was talking about. But I had, like, one very toxic, no, that's not, I had a pattern of toxic, like, relationships and friendships, mm-hmm. and some of those symptoms totally looked like BPD, and I have, oh, I shouldn't say this in a podcast, no, I don't know, I, I have a theory that uh, my mom has BPD, which, like, she would be really offended by, but, like, I don't think it's that thing, <laughs> obviously, um, so I think I, like, picked up a lot of those traits. Interesting. Um, like, what sort of? Like if it's a spectrum, like I'm on it. Uh, I'm, I, I, this sounds weird, but I want to say like grown out of a lot of them, but not to say it's like an immaturity thing. It's just like that's not my, my symptoms like anymore. Evolved, yeah. Well, it's yeah. with so many mental illnesses, right? Like we all share some aspects, right, of them. Right. right. That's why, yeah. according to the DSM, you have to meet so many of the criteria in order to even get diagnosed. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has a little bit of this stuff. Like, there's like definitely everything. symptoms of BPD that I look at that I'm like, that's totally me. Yeah, and like, I feel like a lot of... Especially that list. It's like... Right, like, when you're a everyone. teenager, like, a lot of 
those things are things that people like people are like feeling all of your feelings to like such a high degree like yeah. as a teenager it's like, emotionally evolved common right so like that's i feel like that's the reason why a lot of the time yeah um, absolutely people don't get diagnosed with BPD like when they're teenagers but i think the difference is your ability to to be able to evolve out of them yes. or control them to some degree right like yeah. right the difference between feeling sad and feeling depressed, right? It's like, you feel sad, you can do something to cheer yourself up. You have hope, it's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. not that there aren't people who like, feel depressed, but might not uh-huh. be depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like yeah. have clinical depression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you had some BPD things wrongly diagnosed. Right. Yes. You had ADHD. So, yeah, oh, I was going to say, like, half of those symptoms, too, I think, or and all of my symptoms were from undiagnosed ADHD, of, like, you have all of these symptoms that you don't know about, you don't have the skills or knowledge about them, and, like, everything, every way that society is, like, built is against people who are, like, neuroidentical, which <laughs> just, like, is not, especially, like, school and work and, yeah. like, finances, all of those things. Um, especially school for me, because that was just one that like had the biggest impact. Yeah. So like you know, how did you? How did that like kind of influence your school experience? Like either in like, high school or in college or right like, as a kid. It's weird. I'm still unpacking all of it because I'm like realizing like oh I did this thing because I was so hyperactive and like I'm just figuring them out. But like I could not. I hated school so much because I couldn't sit in a chair like yeah. that it's so simple and so like a pretty typical in school uh yeah like a public school like very like middle maybe upper middle class but that school sucked um it's fine public school um i was yeah i just physically could not sit there and that's sort of more in the eight-year-old boy stereotype version of it yeah which like you know that's not far off i feel like an eight-year-old boy mm-hmm. um yeah, I would just, like, feel something. It was, like, so confusing what it was. I was, like, am I depressed? Like, am I ill? Like, when I was little, I had, like, all these, like, indigestion things that I was, like, what the fuck is this? It was all just, like, hyperactivity or, like, me being frustrated that I can't listen to something for too long or my brain's a fog. Yeah. Fogginess. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about... I don't even know, like, this isn't a fully formed question, but, like, how do you feel about, you know how, I feel like ADHD is one of those things that people throw around when they're, like, Mm -hmm. like, our children are over-medicated and, like, over-diagnosed and everyone has ADHD and, like, people are just trying to get, like, extra time on tests and stuff like that. Like, how do you, how do you feel about that? Right, like, it's, well, it's stupid, obviously, and mental health stigma's dumb. But, okay, let me, when I was starting to get diagnosed, it was very hard. Ooh, shit. <laughs> Just hit a mirror, it's fine. It's a very, a lot of furniture in a very small space. It's so cute, though. Um, it was super hard to get medicated, like, to get treated the way I needed to. Almost understandably, it's like you see both sides, because, like, there's a huge Adderall. Oh, yeah, disclosure, I'm on Adderall. Mm-hmm. Um, huge addiction problem, obviously, and, like, it can lead to really horrible shit, and it's like, is an epidemic. 
Um, but at the same time, like that knowledge makes people who do have ADD, like it makes it so much harder to get, especially if you're a young, like a millennial person. Right. Because that's like, like you're just trying to get Adderall. Like, exactly. So, that's yeah. like a millennial drug of choice, I feel like, which is unfortunate. It's it's definitely it's a it's a college term. Right. And I and I did try it recreationally before and like I I told my psychiatrist that I was like he's like, Have you ever tried it before? And I was like, No (laughs) But he really asked, he was like, How much did you take? Like how did you feel? Because it was like there's a reason oh this is like it's tricky territory. There's a reason I gravitated toward it. I'm by no means saying like (laughs) Just try it, like find out. Right, but did you have like a good experience yes. taking it recreationally? I'm sure there was like a placebo, like oh man, like I'm so hyped up. But like <laughs> honestly, I I feel so much calmer. Like it's it's so incredible because it's like it I don't know, it just focuses your brain. Yeah, like speeds up my body to match my brain speed. It's almost like it was made to help with the symptoms that you were having. <laughs> like, who the thunk? What the hell? Right. Like, I feel like it's it's that whole thing of, like, we were talking about this in our medication episode of, like, um, overdiagnosis, and, and you were saying, like, well, what if I'm one of the people that's, like, been overprescribed? And, like, um, and, and it's kind of like, well, I feel like if you are experiencing symptoms to such a degree that, like, you feel... Like, it's necessary for you to be on medication. It's not, like, necessarily forced on you or anything like that. Like, then you're, you're you know, if you function better with it, then you're not over-prescribed. Or, yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I still, this is something I still really, really struggle with. We didn't resolve it in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's partly is that with a lot of these medications, right, you're just on them. And so you don't know what it would be like to not be on them. Yeah, exactly. While like, right. On them. right, but like you weren't on them. You know sure. what I mean? There was a time when you weren't, and no. then you were like, I my health improved. Absolutely. Right. You know? but, but a lot of these medications weren't developed to be to on be for so long. Yeah. And you yeah. don't know whether you don't know when you can go off them yeah. when you're on them. Right. Right. And that's that's, that's, that's the part where it's like no one Nobody wants to pull you off of it right. because it's working, mm-hmm. yeah. but you don't know whether or not you could still work without being on it. That's There's a very good point. That's, That's a very good point. Okay, but with yeah. stimulants, yeah. what's weird is you can do that, and I just did that because I was vacationing in Long Island. My <laughs> people, shout out to Alice and John Anthony for being my support group, um, support system, not group. That would be a different. Thing. at the beach I was like okay I don't have anything to do you're supposed to sort of like take tolerance breaks because you build up tolerance so fast and like it's very different for every person but like the third day that I took like sort of like the standard dose I was like I don't do anything oh, wow. so I have a range of literally zero to 20 milligrams and I can take like any increment of 2.5 of that so I have to like make that choice every day which is strange I've just like never had to navigate that I mean I've had like PRNs of like as needed meds I have no idea what that stands for it's Latin I think but it's like an as needed med okay. so like <laughs> you know your benzo you're like you're out of hands um but yeah no, I, as far as like yeah for real 
Same same. Same. So, so do you take it first thing in the morning and you have to be like, what kind of day do I think? Yeah, straight up. Well, okay. I can take, I have like two doses that I can do throughout the day. So I just can't take it later than like one thirty two, or I will be up all night. Or I haven't been, but that's a good to me. That's interesting to me that I'm not hugely familiar with that at all besides the having people in college. Right. <laughs> me take it. Um, it's interesting to me that it's a stimulant because you would think somebody with ADHD would need to slow down. It's super confusing. I'm like, I wish I knew all of the science of it. But enough to do with like your kind of like the um, the more of the focus aspect, the like, yeah. energy. Yeah, you know what I mean? so like, it's like, like direct. Yeah, I don't really know how to describe, like, how it does that, but it, it, like, I stop fidgeting, mostly, <laughs> not completely. I stop fidgeting, I can sit down and, like, pick something to focus on and do that for, like, two hours. I can, like, not, because I have, like, really bad, like, fatigue issues, too, and, like, that's gone, too. Okay, here's what it is, I think. I think the, like, hyperactivity literally exhausts me, so even if it's just my brain, and I've done nothing but sit on the couch all day. Right. Yeah. Which is, like, so hard for someone to take seriously. They're, like, busy, like, you're stupid. Yeah. So, if your mind is like, a million miles an hour the whole day, like, that's so tiring. Yeah. And it's very, um, you really have time on the inside and a lot on the outside. Um, you said you had a couple of different diagnoses right. along the way. Mm-hmm. What other diagnoses have you had? And how did they get, like, default? Right, right. So, I'm trying to remember what that first diagnosis was. I remember them saying it was situational depression, which, like, pissed me off. Because I was like, I knew even then that, like, this event, this breakup triggered something that's, like, been inside me for years. And, like, I was very much seen as a crazy ex-girlfriend, speaking of media about mental health. Um, So, that was frustrating. But I guess I had a depression diagnosis then. BPD happened early college and then was debunked by the next therapist I had, I think. Or no, oh, it was debunked in one of my psych wards days, which we can also get into. Yeah, why don't we get into that? Oh, wow. Right. So how many times have you been in the psych ward? Okay, so I've done two different kinds. I've done, like, in... Done inpatient, which was, like, full girl interrupted, like, you're in there, like, you have no shoelaces, like, you can't shoot your legs. Like, the, the, the big, uh, I feel like psych ward thing, everybody's, like, they take your shoelaces they and do. you get those socks that are, like, plus. Oh, yeah, I still have mine. Things on the bottom. They, they have little, like, bristles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. I feel like most people already, that know me already know this about me, so this is not a big secret. Um, and then I've done... PHP or IOP, which is a partial hospitalization program or intensive outpatient program. So they're kind of sandwiched. In high school, like the time I was talking about, did a PHP. It was like for teens and I was like 17 and everyone else is like 13. So it's super not helpful. So what does that entail? Are you like staying there some of the time or like you're I was there every school. day? Okay. It was, like, school hours, essentially, and at the time, I, I did stay with a friend. My whole life wasn't bad, but I was like, this will be good, and, like, they looked far closer. Um, so I stayed with 
some family friends, so I lived there too. And how did that come to happen? How did I uh, hit hit that point that yeah. I needed it? Um, I mean, I was definitely like self farming back then. Super fun stuff. Yeah. Um, which I don't anymore. Awesome. I mean, that is awesome. Yeah, it's super great. I don't know what I'm, like, making fun of myself. It's because it's been such a long time. That's such, like, a distant person to me. Like, I have no desire to do those things. And part of it is, like, a little bit of a tangent, but, like, your depiction of, like, depression that you see, like, is that. Like, you go down one Tumblr rabbit hole and, like, you are looking at triggering shit. Like, Tumblr has been both super helpful for people and, like, gave me an eating disorder like that culture is terrifying and I can talk about that for a whole episode yeah I feel like it, it becomes very especially self-harm I feel like you have to okay. very very normalized on that platform like so scary. partially in a good way like talking about strategies to stop and right. stuff like that but also like it kind of makes you feel like it's not as serious as it right. actually is which is definitely what happens with yeah. me as far as that. I was like, it's not that bad. Like, and it doesn't you know, really like, everybody's doing that. Yeah, and everyone's doing it, man. It's really cool now. But, um, but they yeah, don't so. filter between, like, here are people who are in recovery posting and here are people who, like, don't, I'm going to say don't give a fuck. I don't mean in that way. They're just, like, not so sick that they, yeah, yeah. their symptoms make them not give a fuck. Right. Like, so you go, like, here's strategies, and here's, like, the next so my life's terrible, and, like, here's, like, blood. Like, right, like just lots right of, there. Lots of pictures of, like, Horrific. Trigger warning. So, so, I mean, listeners. Uh, so you were self-harming. Yes. And that's why it got me there. I think, and, like, this is, like, people shouldn't say this, but we self-harm. I think for me, it really was, like, Kind of a cry for help sort of thing. Okay, but, like, but then I did become addicted to it at some point. But like the thing that okay, I guess I'm going to change about this because like the cry for help idea. It's also like if somebody like needs help so badly that they're gonna hurt themselves to get it. Like maybe you should just like is like, that the issue? The, the point, you know right, what I mean? Like exactly. maybe like normal people don't cry for attention by like cutting them. Right. Like, that isn't like there's something else happening. It's not like a totally yeah. like neurotypical person is gonna do that because like the attention that they need is attention like to their mental health. It's right. Like, like that wouldn't be the thought of someone to do that who wasn't sick. Yeah. Right. You know. Like, yeah. Right. Like so, it is like whether it's for attention or not. Like yeah, it's a problem. And you know, like all the kids around me were doing like different, like their own version of cries yeah. for help, but just mine was very. That happens to be dramatic and like has a ton of stigma and yeah. is like very visual. Right. Um, so that's sort of what got me in the first one. That sort of like trickled out. It went on and off. My my thing is like I always have an addiction, I think. And I was I was raised by addicts as well. So like it, that's a huge like being an adult, it, they're called ACOA. It's like adult child of an alcoholic or addict is like probably if I were that's not a mental illness, but if I were to like just diagnose myself like that would be my mental illness or no just like being raised by them (laughs) yeah which is like we or just like being an ACOA like that's 90 percent of my behavioral issues I think that's a trauma for sure yeah and like no offense to them too like my dad is like two three years sober and like he's the shit like 
He's great, but like all yeah. We yeah. like all of us have gotten in fights because I'm like, you did this, you did this, like I'm like over I'm getting to a point where I'm like I'm not like mad. Like Right. I I don't think you're a shitty person, but all of these things that you did made me fucked up. <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um where did I start with that? So do you feel like that uh <laughs> that partial hospitalization mm. helped? No, not that? the first one. Okay. Not at all. Yeah, different ones did and didn't. That one, like, if I was 13, probably would have. It, I was just, like, so early on that journey. It was, like, wow, fucking now. So when was the next time you were in Next time was, like, pretty early when I went to NYU. Like, freshman oh, yeah, year. Was, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and that was just sort of, like, I Honestly, that's kind of the one I've unpacked the least of just, like, because that was just such a weird, dark time of, like, toxic friendships. So that just, like, really fucked me up. And I was very depressed and very, like, I don't know. I don't want to go down the, like, acting school conversation <laughs> hole, but, like, it was, yeah, yeah, that fucked me up. And was that voluntary that you ended up? Yes. To, to an extent, I was, like, resisting myself, like, I, someone, like, finally got me to therapy, and then I was just, like, uh, like, not, I've never been actively suicidal. It's, like, such ideation. I was, like, freaking myself out. I was, like, oh, they're, like, do you want to go? I'm, like, no, yes, no. Yeah. Went. Um, that one was shit. NYU Langone calling you out officially. No, I don't know. I've heard probably good, other points. I've heard good things. Okay, about just that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I'm I'm just just to offer another perspective. I literally know one other person that that went to the psych ward there and also been at the psych ward at Bellevue and was like comparing them. And so mm. that way it was like less horrible, but like haven't done Bellevue yet. yet. <laughs> totally honest like I was because of the one act I was like threatened because I couldn't like finish my crew assignment so I wouldn't be able to like be in the one act in sophomore year so I was like I have to get out really quick so I can do this crew assignment so I really faked it um that, that what was that like four or five days I would like one nurse or count whoever it was like came in and like I was crying she was like why are you always crying? I was like, bitch, what? Like, do you know where you are? Like, that's the strangest shit ever. That's so weird. Um, what a weird thing to say. I remember so little about that one, honestly, because it was so, like, I was just there. Like, yeah. there, were, there were groups, I think, but, like, nothing was required, and there were bullshit groups. Like, it was, it was like, yeah. Okay, third one. <laughs> Number three was the other uh, inpatient. I don't remember so much, like, leading up to it. Like, I, it was just, like, more of the same, really. Of, like, I'm sure it was something. I'm sure was that? That was summer. I don't remember between which two years. Between sophomore and junior, maybe? Less people knew about this one, just because it was, like, yeah, over the good. summer. And I was home. Like, it was near Boston. Um... That one, like, okay, I will say, like, most of these programs suck, and I have a lot of opinions about them, but um, my last one was slightly a different story, but this one sort of sucked, but was very, 
meaningful and helpful because the people I met, which has always been true. Like, even if I got nothing out of it, I met one or a lot of people who I'm like friends with, like got through so much shit together. I know the craziest stories. Like it's so wild, especially in some of these like very governmenty, like inpatient ones. You have like a 20 year old anxious kid with like elderly people with like dementia and schizophrenia and like some violent drug addicts as well. Not that all drugs are bad. That's not what I mean. But some of them are. Yeah. So it's just like, you're all like kind of herded together and it's very unhelpful. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've met people with wild stories. Yeah. The third one is the most like, I guess like stare like what you think of when you think of psych ward. Like it really is. It's such, it's so disappointing. Like everything really is like white and um, I meant the building, but also the people, which is a fucking problem. Like I, I think Pretty much every time I've been there, there's been, like, maybe one person or two people that aren't white. I'm like, Very what? interesting. That's those fuck. people are in the jails. Right. <laughs> it's, that's literally true. fucking that true. sad, but true. I think about that all, like, with race and just, like, socioeconomic shit of, like, if I were born under any different circumstances, yeah. like, my issues or whatever are, like, definitely severe enough that undiagnosed without medication, without, like, all of these tools, I, this is not an exaggeration. I could be in jail or homeless. Like, I, absolutely. I think about that all the time and, like, how, it's, how severe my issues have been at various points. But, like, if I didn't have the resources, like, A, I'd be dead probably. Right. Or I mean, I right. would. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but also, like, yeah, like, homeless, I, I sure. would definitely be homeless. Yeah. For sure. Because it's hard to keep a job when you're yeah. constantly depressed. Oh if you're, if you're not going to therapy and you don't have meds and yeah. you're undiagnosed and have never got any sort of like yeah. help or yeah, you know. I would. I. I mean, I would most realistically be dead, but could very easily be homeless. Yeah, one stop. Yeah. It'd yeah. be great. And it, the, there's a spectrum of that too. Like even among just our friends, of like some parents have certain jobs where like we're, you know we're all still most of us are like under or like our friend group is like under twenty six. So like. Yeah. A lot of us are on parents' insurance yeah. still, and, like, some aren't, and that's, like, we all have fucking issues, and a lot of my friends just can't go to therapy. Yeah. So it's really hard to be, like, not really hard. It's, like, a tricky thing to, like, be someone advocating for all this wellness shit, and you want to be, like, everyone go to therapy, and, like, most people straight up cannot. Yeah. So I'm very lucky. I'm trying, I'm also trying to get to a place where I'm not, like, hating on myself that I, I do have access to these things. Right. Like, it's, that's not like, the problem. That you're able to have it. It's an awareness of yeah. the privilege you do have and then being cool. able to advocate for those who don't have this. Yeah. Like, we just need the best you can do. Break down the entire mental health care system, like, from the ground up. Yeah. Like, it's really straight awesome. up just burn it to the ground and start over. Oh, my God. Um, so, you had the second, or third, yeah, what about three? Uh, hospitalization. No, that one, like, I still think a lot about. I was there literally this time last year. What what landed you there? Mm-hmm. That one was, like, almost agoraphobia. Like, uh, my anxiety, I definitely shifted, like, teenage years was, like, more depression. And I think sometime college or after college, probably, like, after graduating, I was, like, anxiety. <laughs> um, definitely became slightly more prominent. 
And then I was like living with people who were initially strangers. I like became friends with them, but like it's very jarring. My my like dear friend slash sister had like or like oh oh yeah, it literally was that. No, it was a year after. Had like <laughs> had died like the year before. And like so like the anniversary of that had like triggered me, the anniversary of like low-key getting assaulted was triggering me. It was basically like this one month has all this shit, and then the next four or five months was like spiraling from that. Um, and I could not leave that. I was like, I mean, I'm only slightly exaggerating. Like, if I fucking needed to, I could like get to a bodega. That's like it. I was like, not going out. I'm not, I'm like, I said I'm an introvert, but I also like really need people. Like, yeah. So when you say, I mean, when you say you grow from it, do you actually mean like you were afraid of what was outside or was it the more depression kind of can't um, leave the house or anxiety can't leave the house because there's so much you're dealing with that right. to go outside feels like too much. Definitely more on the anxiety side. I, to be clear, I never was like diagnosed with agoraphobia. Can you be diagnosed with phobias? Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was just like probably on the spectrum of it. For me, it was... From the research I did, too, it was a lot about, like, avoiding, like, triggers that, you know, are going to trigger panic attacks. So it's, like, the subway was a huge trigger in that way. Like, any kind of transportation was obviously the fucking MTA is a trigger. Like, I don't know how that's not true of everyone. Oh, my God. And, like, the grocery stores kind of still are a trigger. Any, like, enclosed space or, like, standing in lines, like, all of these things, like, set me off. And still do, but, like, you know, I'm dealing with them more easily. Um, and then the, the other side of it was, like, I'm going to get hit by a car. It was sort of, like, vacillating between, like, I'm going to get hit by a car and I want to be hit by a car. Yeah. Well, just sort of, like, that's, like, the anxiety, depression, like, seesaw <laughs> that's, shit. That's, so, that's such a good, like... Right? I feel like that's true of, of suicide in general, right? Yeah. Like, you're, you want to die and yet afraid of the yeah. death, too. Like, those two yeah. things. Yeah, anyone who, like, have who has anxiety and depression, which I feel like they usually coexist. Like, that's such a thing. In New York, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hit the mirror again. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so you were kind of, you were dealing with this, like, weren't really able to leave your apartment. What made you decide to go to this program? And also, like, what made you choose this one? Oh, specific? God. Because it was okay. kind of a, like, it was different. Yeah. yeah, it was partial, sort of like the first one, but I did live there in like a dorm type situation. Um, like I could have gotten like an Airbnb there and like just done that, but like there was like an option to stay in a dorm. Um, so the agoraphobia was a thing. The I was like, the weed smoking is like a very tricky thing. I was smoking a lot of weed, um, which then I thought was more of an issue than it is for me now. That, that's pretty a lot of paranoia that's related right. to being afraid of things like Right. That. So sure. maybe like more like my specific fears and anxieties then were like made worse by it. But I also have this very internalized thing of like I grew up being raised by addicts and also them being like, you need to be careful. Like you have really addictive genes like was so hammered into me and like I've been unpacking with my therapist, like, all these little moments of, like, uh, 
at least perceiving that somebody is putting this label of addict on me. Um, what do you mean by that? Like, I feel like even little things, like I was sort of the first of my little friend group to drink and like we were like 15 maybe and like, I feel like when you grow up a theater kid, you're either like so straight edge or you're like, or you're like I'm a slut and yeah. I love alcohol and cigarettes and I'm going to like belt Jekyll and Hyde. But like, I, I had a lot of moments where people are like, you're being crazy. Like, I I had, I feel like it, it must be hard to like knowing that it's very, would be very easy for you to get addicted to something and then having somebody notice like, you know, we all have times when we like drink too heavy, right. you know what I mean? But then people, when people are like calling that out to you and you know that that's a possibility, it must make you start like questioning your behavior a lot yeah. more than like the average person, I yeah. can imagine. And, I'm, and as I'm older, I'm, like, also starting to realize, like, all of these things were so much more present than in other, like, non-alcoholic families. Because the whole, like, Al-Anon thing is, like, and, like, AA thing is, like, alcoholism is a family disease. Like, they really fucking yeah. hammer that into you. So it really, like, affects well, so like, Yeah, it affects everybody in, like, so anywhere much. close, like. And I also, like, I, I'm a tr- not, like, romantic, well, uh, um, I'm, like, attracted to other addicts. Like, I'm, I just find myself with so many addicts in my life who I, like, I don't even think that's a bad thing. Like, I love most, most of them dearly. And, I mean, it makes sense. It's a familiar right. behavior pattern. Oh, my God. There's so much parent just, shit. Let's like, so many people end up dating someone very similar to their parents. Oh, your parents were addicts. You, you did start dating someone from this program. <laughs> so and I'm very, I'm very curious about, A, how that happened, and B, what is that like? <laughs> I don't know. Because I feel like that's the type of environment that would, like, easily foster a romantic right. relationship in the same kind of way that acting school does. Where yes. Where you've grown into, like, being vulnerable in almost an inappropriate way just immediately and you already like it's crazy you know that person so fast right so like how does that how does the like relationship work under those circumstances and like well I'll preface with like how like the general like structure of this particular thing because that's relevant to how it all (laughs) I can't believe I'm talking about this um not going to because it's it's a lot um, so it was in Vermont, it's like stunning. It's like on the Connecticut River, there's like hiking all over, there's this like cool tower, like the whole town, it's like this little town is like um sort of built around the retreat. Like it's been there for so long. It's one of like I think it's one of the oldest things of its kind. And definitely one of the first to be a little more progressive and not like Let's lobotomize everybody and like <laughs> all that fucked up shit. They they they're really cool actually. I guess I can shut them out. Is that weird? Like confidential no, shit. So I was at uh, Travel Bureau retreat, um, which as far as these things go was definitely the best. I have a lot of shit I could talk about it as well. Um, I keep getting off track, but they, but even like in I don't remember how long ago, but like very old times, like they had people sort of like live there and have this little community so people who are mentally ill like would like farm and like it was like its own little sustainable town (laughs) right I was like can I stay here um I swam I hiked yeah it's it's a very weird bubble um and And you so much you found it 
like, I did, yeah. I just did, did you some like, a flash? You, you, how did that work? I was such a fucking mess at that time. It was, like, all a blur. Well, especially, yeah. Right. Um, my therapist at the time, she was really pushing for it, was very reluctant at first. This time around, I think just because I'd done it so much, I'm like, I can't do this again. But I ended up, like, looking around. I literally chose this song because they had, like, cute little rainbow chairs and, like, looked very LGBTQ friendly, plus friendly. Um, I was like, that's cool. It's in Vermont. Like, nature. I half of, honestly, half of it was like, I cannot be in the city anymore. I went, and it really, oh, my God, there's, I'm, you're going to have to keep me on track because there's just, like, so many stories here, but, like, it, it was like a summer campy feel. This okay, okay. So, at, like, literally first day, we're talking about like our traumas and like notice this person. Like, honestly, off the bat, I was like, cool, they're cute. Like, not trying to do anything while I'm here because duh. Um, we get to group. We're in like the same group, and then I hear all about all of his trauma and his murder that he's slowly separating and his children and his like alcoholism and the fact that he's 20 no 26 36 um so that happened but the thing is like you're friends with people of all ages there i had like 18 year old friends i had like 50 60 year old friends that's super normal um yeah so he was just like one of the friends that i got really close to uh the <laughs> and then obviously like such a vulnerable time for like both of us like we like and looking back like I was a mess um but I was also like a 20 something like very lost anxious mess and his like marriage was falling apart and like had severe out well he, they weren't married but like basically were a partnership yeah yeah and like it, it was just like such not bigger sort of like just more grown up like severe that I got sort of dragged into. Basically, the whole time, I was, like, crushing on this person. And I was like, never say anything. You will never say anything. And I did it. And then uh, he got kicked out because he punched someone in the face. So bad. He was cute, guys. Like, honestly, no, we did really, we, like, got along. We helped each other. Like, that, like, family tie, like, was... As much as I can fucking hate him now, like, there was, like, a very good, important bond that happened. Like, we were also, like, the studious kids. Like, I have such an image of myself as, like, therapy princess. Like, I'm, like, therapy teacher's pet. Like, I love this shit. Like, <laughs> that's why I'm, like, you guys are going to have to tell me to stop talking because I can go for so long. Uh, but so, like, the two of us were very, like, we're doing brain homework every night. We have, like, essentially, like, study dates and then. He got pissed out, was, like, calling me every day, very, like, fuckboy language of, like, why do you sound like you're 19 and trying to hook up with me at, like, 1am? There was a thinking about you, dot, dot, dot. I was, like, you're so technically in this relationship. Eventually, there was a call of, like, we broke up, like, whatever. Oh, God. It happened for a while. I was, like, about to leave. I had, like, a week left. And he, like, called me and asked me out. And I was, like, fuck. I was, like... Damn it. And like said yes. I was like, how could I that it you know, looking back, it was such like a taking advantage of situation of like you are 
I'm an adult, but, like, you're the adult in this situation. Like, very vulnerable shit, like, and... I mean, it was, like, the most tumultuous, dramatic shit ever because we were in, like... Oh, one of the counselors said the best shit to me because I was telling her before we, like, started dating, just, like, my feelings about this. And she was like, this happens all the time. Like, this makes so much sense. You take a bunch of addicts or just, like, mentally ill people, put them in, like, a tiny little room for a month, take away all their drugs of choice, and, like, lust is, like, a pretty good replacement. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was definitely happening for both of us, probably more so him, because he's, like, going through this crazy breakup of the person he's been dating for 12 years. Yeah. And he's, like, this, like, beyond, like, free spirit, like... You know, to like an older dude who's like stuck in his life. Like, Can we just it's very in defense of thirty somethings, like a thirty-six year old man. <laughs> oh no, not, not old, not old. <laughs> but I was, I was, I was twenty-three and he was thirty-six. Yes, thirty-eight years age older. Difference. But also, like, had been. What I mean is, like, let me tell you, like, we're not grown up in our thirties. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no. Like, yeah, children. You know, right? Like, was grown up the same like, person for over a decade. No, yes, he's not old. He's thirty-seven now. So now you will. Um, just want to oh like I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to throw up I don't want to absolve him but like no, no people no. don't get their shit sorted out for sure. a long time sure, sure, some sure. people never get their shit absolutely exactly. yeah. but you know maybe not someone I want to be partners <laughs> with while I'm like also figuring my shit out yeah. um yeah that's what was interesting about Haley's episode too she's like talking about dating mentally ill or like neurotypical or not people like I've definitely been attracted to other mentally ill people. Right, do you, have you ever, like, been attracted to a more neurotypical person? A sane person? person? Or, like, it's hard to say, because, like, I feel like every straight cis man is, like, kind of mentally ill and, like, doesn't go to therapy and doesn't repress. know their shit. Repressed, yeah. yeah so, like, a lot of them had, like, symptoms yeah. and, like, shitty shit. Yeah. So sometimes you refer to yourself as an addict. Sometimes you refer to right. yourself as I don't anymore. Okay. Yeah. So do do you think you have addictive behavior? Yeah. Oh, behavior? Fuck yeah. Absolutely. So, like, why did you stop identifying as that? Great question. Um, for me, it's so much more, like, a symptom of other things than the disease itself. Like, with my parents, with this ex, like, they had alcoholism. Like, people still have such a stigma of it of, like, you're doing this. These are all your choices. Like, as right. much as you I can be like, pissed at an addict and that does happen, like, I will not sugarcoat, like, relationships with addicts at all. Like, it sucks, but it's a disease. Yeah. So, like, I don't think that is my particular issue. I think I have an addictive personality. I, like, indulge in vices too much. Um, so is it the, that same difference of, like, you, can, you have slightly more control over it than... Yeah, a little bit. Like, I think there's a world where, like, if I went too far, yeah, I could be. Um, I also think, so I was, like, sober the whole time I was there. Obviously, like, you have to be. And at that time, I was thinking of myself as an addict because I had felt like my therapist had not said I'm an addict, but was like, this is the problem. Like, you smoking weed every day is the issue, which is just not true. Maybe it's an issue, perhaps. It's <laughs> not that healthy. It's like... Yeah. But it's certainly not the problem. Um, for some people, it would be, but for me, it's not. So I was sober, and then I I planned on continuing. I wasn't drinking either, even though that was never my issue. I was like, just, okay, might as well, like, go all out. And then I was sober after I got out for, like, I think, like, four months. 
And at some point, sobriety became way more neurotic for me than than the than the use. Uh, it's like just, you were just getting almost obsessive about being Yeah, sober. I was obsessive over like, am I an addict? Am I not an addict? Like, I just broke up with this like severe addict. Like, I have this family stuff. Like, can I have these things in moderation? Do I want to be sober forever? I also feel so young in the scheme of things. Of like, am I really like? No, I mean like addict can be any age, but it's like. I was just like, I don't see myself being like in my thirties and this being an issue. Like I, I have foresight that like, I can't have this in moderation. Like this is not my disease. The, just like thinking about it and obsessing, it, it became like uh, food obsessive thoughts that I have sometimes when like eating disorder related things come up of like, it's like so perfection, all or nothing. Yeah. And if you aren't truly an addict and like, drinking at parties is like okay for you that that anxiety and obsession can be really harmful yeah right which is such a tricky space of then it's like i should drink i should and now i'm like honestly i'm smoking every day again and i'm like sometimes i'm like this is awesome this is so much better than my previous psychiatrist who told me to take two Clonopin every day. Yeah. And got yeah. me hooked on that shit. Oh my God, guys, Clonopin is like, hey, this is I, so I, hard. Like, weed has got to be better for you than most prescriptions. Oh, a lot, yeah. Right, and it's so different. Like, it's probably not true for other people, but like, I, I definitely think they're in the same level of like, aside from like, you know, smoking is not good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Probably stop yeah. But one of them is way more natural than me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I also think it's a myth that you can't be addicted to it. Scientifically, chemically, you can't. Yeah. But, like, uh, psychologically, but, but you can become addicted to like any sort of thing. Uh, someone with an addictive personality can be, or an addict can become right. addicted to anything. Right. But it's not like people without an addicted addicting personality can right. become addicted to nicotine for instance right and that person won't become addicted to weed right right that's that yeah that's a good way to put it yeah it's weird because like it comes up with drinking too that's never really been my like drug of choice it's it's more like i have this like addictive thing present and like i think that's why i used to self-harm i think that's why i counted calories like there's always that one thing that i'm neurotically doing yeah. sometimes you know, whatever it is. Not to, like, armchair diagnose. But <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. No, give me. Because um, to me, that doesn't, some of those things sound less, like, uh, addictive qualities and more of their control things, which make mm. me think compulsion, make me think. Right. I don't think I have OCD, just, well, I think if there's a spectrum of it, again, I'm on it. Because my older half-brother had, like, very, very severe OCD when he was a kid. Um... I don't know, just, like, having been around a lot of... I think I have intrusive thoughts and compulsion. So, like, I think you're you're right about, like, the symptoms. Yeah. And don't like, think that's... that's kind of thing be a symptom of, like, anxiety. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like, but you're not it, wrong it about that. Yeah. It's definitely... It's definitely... Important. I think a lot of these things are more of a spectrum than... I than we know, yeah. This is not related to your no, specific story, right but um, we talk a lot about how, like diagnosing mental illness is very nebulous. And I, I wish for a little bit more transparency so that we wouldn't have to sit here and be like, this symptom, is that this thing or this thing? Is, right. that, is my need for control come from my anxiety or from my addiction? Like, yeah. what, if they clearly know 
like they they put mean, down these therapists, therapists and yeah. psychiatrists. Well, like they're right. also wrong sometimes. No, of right. course they are. Like, but we would be like, there's no doctor who would diagnose you and treat you without talking to you about your symptoms and how they got to a certain diagnosis. Yeah. Whereas we identify symptoms, it is incumbent on us to communicate those symptoms, Ooh. and then they go off and like make some sort of determination that is not discussed with us mm-hmm. in any to any extent, and then they just give us drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Well, I think, I think like, I have, like, gone through that whole, like, hurdle of, like, just being told, like, I've just been doing this for so long. You really have to, like, to advocate for yourself and, like, be aware literally constantly, and it's not even this amazing feat that I did. It's just, like, years of experience, and now my therapist is, like, very... Young, I have like a friend vibe, which I've told to some of my friends, and they're like, I would hate that. And I'm like, that's super valid. But definitely me right now, I'm like, I need someone who's just gonna like listen to me rant and like give me some validation. <laughs> like, and like help me talk it out. I don't need, but it's, it's, I don't need the authority as much anymore. It makes sense yeah. um, in terms of like talk therapy, but I do feel like at the point at which they determine the diagnosis that ought to be discussed. Right? Whereas, it's so secretive. Whereas the most you get, or the most I ever got was like, it sounds to me like maybe you right. might be depressed or like those are some anxious behaviors you're having. And so I deduced that I have depression and anxiety, but it wasn't until we started the podcast that I looked up what mm. my exact diagnosis was. And the only reason I knew is because I have to claim my therapy bills because right. my therapist and psychiatrist are both out of network. And it says on the claim, but if that insur- if that had gone straight through insurance, I would have no way of even checking what my diagnosis is. Yeah. That is insane. That is yeah. like I don't know how that those rules work. Like, are they? Because most therapists I've had, I've had to like pry it the fuck out of them. Like, yeah, my last and one you know to do that important. Like, it's not. It's more about the symptoms, which like I I get where that's coming from. Of like, it, it you don't want to have it too rigid. Of like, this is what you are. Like, these are your symptoms. Like. It is nebulous, like you're saying, but, like, a diagnosis is very helpful, like, for medication, for, like, specific symptom management, and so, like, EPD has, like, a specific therapy, like... And for self-awareness, right? Yeah. One of the reasons we hear a lot when people fall in love with their diagnosis is because it gives you clarity into your own behavior and helps you manage your own behavior. That's, like, if I didn't have the language of EPD to talk about my behavior, I would, like, not be nearly as far along. I don't yeah. think like, like mental health. And so to withhold really a diagnosis from someone. Yeah, like that, it's... And even know. talking about individual symptoms isn't always helpful versus having, like, a package that you can then right. go research and be like, maybe this makes sense. Right. Yeah, I just... Yeah. I don't I don't understand. Because it'll form patterns, too, and, like, it's more about, like, where... It, these symptoms coming from like is it again like an addiction thing is it from like this depression is it from like a trauma and it's like actually PTSD and this like there's so many different things and that like I'm in love with my ADHD diagnosis that's like us this cheesy but it like really is a superpower and like what I'm what I was saying earlier is like for me, there's no good side of depression or anxiety. ADHD, I'm so glad I have it. Like, it makes so many things about me fucking amazing. Yeah. Say more about that. Well, I mean, like, I definitely think it makes me really creative. It makes me uh, able to hyper-focus. Like, in a... Not crazy. I hate saying that word. Whatever. 
it makes me I fall into it all the time. I know. It's like, yeah, I can super hyper focus on things that I'm really passionate about. I'm like, uh, like, I think it makes me hilarious. It makes me, no, not that funny. And, uh, my, my brain, see, I'm having the thing where my mind is going a lot faster. I've articulated thoughts in my head. They're not coming out. Oh, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't sound so pretentious. No, but in my head of like, I see the world very differently than other people. My perception of like time is a little bit askew. My perception of like passion and like how productivity works and like with ADD, you have like I want to say it's dopamine. I think you have, you're like understimulated with dopamine. So like the way you like seek happiness and like satisfaction is different. Like. You get immense joy out of like, the only example I can think of is like a fidget spinner, like just like little, little things. Um, I don't know. I could list off a bunch more positive things. Like now that I know I have it, there are very few downsides. Undiagnosed, it was an illness. Like it made my life hell. Yeah. Which is just, I don't know. That's so interesting to me. It's like the thing is not the illness. It's the like lack of knowledge. That's really interesting. I feel like that that's like very different than you hear most people talk about their mental health. And like maybe it is because you view it more as like a learning disability or mm-hmm. of like being on some different spectrum of like what's that word? Like neurodiversity. Yeah. I think that that's really cool because it is I find that it is really a diagnosis for me was very empowering. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is yeah. that like it's it's empowered you to like learn more about yourself and then be able to turn that knowledge into like um kind of actively like finding joy in those parts of who you yeah, are absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yep but I think there's a lot about that where it's um how besides medication do you cope with all of these things like the traumas the addictive behaviors the anxiety, the depression, the ADHD. How has that, like, evolved over time? Yes, too. so much. Yeah. I mean, what's that? So much. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to try to like, find <laughs> specific things. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I've been doing this a, a fucking long time. Like, I really feel like a veteran of this kind of thing. Like, I have, like, a cigarette, and I'm like, oh, my first hospitalization. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, where was I going with that? Coping. Yeah, my coping skills have, have evolved. It's sort of become more, uh, like, it used to be very, like, all these, like, little therapy groups, like, list of coping skills, like, all these different types of breathing and, like, painting, which are all super valid and very helpful. And then as I'm getting older, my, like, treatment is becoming a lot more nuanced I'd say of like now I'm getting into like the real serious shit so it I'm almost I'm right now I'm in a place of like it's getting a lot harder but also a lot easier because I'm like okay I've done all this like basic shit I know my CBT I know my DBT I know my like uh ACT those are the only therapies I know um, um cognitive behavioral Behavioral yes. therapy. Oh, yeah, I should say. Dialogue. And then acceptance. This I learned last summer, and that kind of rocked my world. Yeah. Acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a lot, like, 
The radical acceptance in DBT is okay. almost like expanding on that. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like a long story. It's like you have like a matrix of like you're either moving toward your values or like avoiding pain. And it's like things that are, it's just like analyzing all your It's a lot. It's very like heady. I feel that. I feel but that. it's very useful. There's like a whole like drawing you do. It's great. Um, yeah, I've, I've tried all the things, done all the like medical stuff, like have a med combo that at least for right now is working and that's like oh also like side note like for anyone who's like just starting also thing like so we done for anyone starting <laughs> every episode how I dare I? I can't believe I said like that many times and then, but, like, I, I cut half of them out that's just half Come on now, please feel free so, um yeah for like people who are just starting their med journeys like that takes a long time. It's an ongoing thing. Side effects are crazy. It's like kind of like a hellish journey, but like very fucking worth it. So just want to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've done all those basic things and what was it? Oh, I start to find, so with drinking and substances, I was literally talking about this in therapy yesterday. Okay. Oh, I think a lot of people drink or use things to avoid problems. And I have this realization that I'm kind of doing the opposite of like, I have such a tricky time, not talking about mental health at all, but, like, in a taking myself seriously way, talking about my trauma and, like, my actual emotions. I can be like, I'm so depressed right now. Like, I'm doing these things. Like, I used to sell harm. Like, it's cool. But, like, for me to sit down and be like, I, I like, couldn't even say any that I could think of. Like, it's a different thing. And I notice myself, like, I'll be hanging out with friends and, like, I get really wine drunk subconsciously I'm all sad and like talk about trauma so uh, after that happened a few times I was like like this needs to be unpacked so I literally this is probably the most uh crazy presenting thing I've ever done my roommates can adjust to this I had like a big roll of butcher paper I'm not done with it yet but I just like started off the top and I was like I'm gonna write it all like I'm gonna write all my trauma and just started writing all because I was like the ADD makes me forget shit if I'm, like, in therapy or, like, yeah. even just talking to friends. I'm, like, I'm going to write down everything. So I literally had, like, a feet and feet, like, miles of this paper of, like, and then my dad fell down the stairs because he was drunk and my brother left and, like, this person manipulated me. <laughs> it's just miles of that. Um find that helpful? Like, yeah. So I don't think I would have, like, say, like, freshman year college it really is like this like cumulative like I'm like hitting all these milestones and now I'm like I'm in a stable enough place where I can talk about very scary things and like and even this is like recent like I don't as much as I'm an emotional person and like comfortable expressing myself I do avoid like crying which like most people who know me would be surprised to hear because I cry a lot but like it's it's like a scary place to go yeah, for me, and now I'm like getting more comfortable knowing that it'll be fine if I go there. There's a, there's an interesting thing with trauma too, where it exists in the past, but you keep seeing it differently as you move on, mm-hmm. and so like you kind of can't deal with it. At least I'm starting to find that I can't deal with it once. I have to I keep right. dealing with it every couple of years as I see it in a completely different light, just because I'm in a different place. Yeah, a new. Like, a new relationship will help you, like, connect clearly that fucking happened for me of, like, revisiting all these, like, 
alcoholic father issues. Yeah. I didn't finish that story. Whatever. Well, what happened? Like, <laughs> oh, oh. Of what okay, I'll like, try to make it really fucking quick. But, like, he moved really fast. Like, he was like, on, like, the first day, whatever, which was fine. Like, that's fine. But everything moved very fast <laughs> on his part. Yeah. Told me about me, like, second date. It was, oh, like, wow. a whole great, and, like, that's, was, like, that's breaking I feel like that's so kind of like a red it was <laughs> and I was in such a low like, like sad that. place that I was just like fine are you gonna say the Bojack quote is it the thing of like all the red flags yeah yeah, yeah. Like, okay. when you're looking at someone through rose colored glasses all the red flags just look like flags I think that was like <laughs> that was like in my Instagram story that week anyway we like visited each other cause we lived on this fucking farm in Vermont like a slap, side note fell in love with that farm and that life yeah. and I was like oh my god like I want to stay here for like I still think about that place I don't think about him every day I think about like sitting in that farm every day it was like so beautiful I think stuff like that too is contextual so there's there's a version of this story where the behaviors mm-hmm. are exactly the same but you take it out of the like take away the addiction take away the like psych ward take yeah. away all these other things and it's just like cute and romantic and they fell in love really fast yeah but there's all this contextual stuff that yeah. um yeah, and then when you have these, like, bitter ex-boyfriend feelings, I often go to a place of, like, ha-ha, I'm more, like, mentally healthy than you. I'm, like, when I'm drinking alcohol, I'm, like, ha, I can handle my liquor. And then I'm, like, fuck, that's, like, internalized stigma, too. Like, yeah. that's yeah. fucked up. Like, it's not, it's not his fault he's an alcoholic. But it's also, like, it's it's an interesting thing about dating mentally ill people or, like, any sort of relationship, friendship, working relationship, whatever, with someone else with mental health stuff being like, okay, what is the, it's sort of like the line of like, what behavior from them am I like, you're, not, you're figuring out like, yeah. yeah, like what you're allowed to be like righteously mad about and what you need to be like, they're dealing with their stuff, but like, Fucking even if it's stuff that they're, you're, that you know that they're dealing with a specific thing, that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt you and you don't have the right to be upset about it. No, I mean, we know uh, some specific People who have a lot of uh, male trauma and are cis straight white dudes who like to assault people. You think their trauma is an excuse for that? No. They yeah. don't know. I don't they think so, honey. No, it's not. Um, I think it's... Where was I going? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I struggle a lot with the, the addiction one specifically, where it's like, how do you... How do you know where you're enabling and where you're supporting? Yeah, and, like, and I feel like it's the it's gotta be like the hardest with that illness. Then, like, because I really do think that addiction, to some degree, is the most stigmatized mental illness because people think of it as a moral choice. I agree with that. And you have this idea of like, like being a somebody who does drugs and drinks a lot is like a bad person, and it's very hard to even if you're actively working against that stigma, it's so embedded in the culture that like it's very hard to get away from and it's also so complicated because it's like this it's like you have to you know if somebody has schizophrenia for instance and they're dealing with like having psychotic episodes you're not going to be like stop doing that right like try to help them get through it but with like addiction it's kind of like you do have to Stop doing well, that to some degree. You know? To some degree, and then what I've learned in Al-Anon, for also for people who don't know that, that's not it's not the same thing as it. Uh, AA. It's for like families or like just people who have like loved ones who are addicts. 
like there it's really hard that has to be such a big boundary and a lot of they have 12 steps like that are very similar to AAS and it's sort of like I don't remember any of them. I went to one meeting. Um, but you, the, that's why it's like, has all this like higher power stuff, not like God or whatever, but like something bigger than yourself. Like it can't be your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is so hard. It's really not your responsibility to like enable or not enable them. And it's, and, and. So how do you love someone and be there for them and not, not either enable or not enable? Right. <laughs> yeah. like, right? I don't do have that? an answer to that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But yeah, I wish I, I wish I was a little more knowledgeable on Al-Anon stuff, but like it, cause you know, at the same time, you're part of the disease too. Of yeah. like, it, it's not even like, are you even in a position where you can enable or not? Because you're suffering too. Like yeah. it can make you be a shitty fucking person. Like people do terrible things due to their addictions. Like that's not, that's not a secret. Like I've been lied to, like I've been like yelled at, like, really, I was going to say really terrible shit. Those are, like, kind of mild as far as, like, what people can do. But, like, you know, had fucking scary shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my closest people have just, like, straight up lied to my face because they're, like, fucked up. Or yeah. they're, like, needing to get a fix or something. It's the needing to get a That's the lying. Yeah. The, the things people do when they're drunk is kind of, like, I understand. It's right. easier to understand as people who have all, I've been drunk, I get it. Right. It's yeah. the, like, that, that thing, the line that you're doing to get the yeah. hit, that's the hard part. And I now have, like, people in my life who are, like, addicted to things that I have, like, no experience with are a lot scarier to me. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, actually scary. Like, just, and, and that's a really hard place of, like, if someone's calling you and is, like, took something bad and it's, like, I'm about, just, like, very scary things and you don't know you don't know that drug. You don't know this person's far away. Like, there's so much. Yeah. It's the worst feeling in the whole world. Of, like, I can't help. And, like, the I can't help feeling is such a thing. For, like, at the retreat, I became, I eventually became, like, a key holder for people. Like, there were a few people who had, like, little moments. Like, my friend was, like, maybe going to kill his dad. So, like, I have his keys. Um, eventually, I have my other friend's keys. So, it was, like, how, like Shouldn't the employees of the place... Well, okay, so here's the thing. I, like, had them as, as well, this was the, you can come and go as you please. So, like, that was allowed. Um, some people had cars if they lived kind of in the area. Um, and so I was just doing this as, like, a friend. They were like, okay, can you, like, keep these for me? Like, So I had, like, a ton of people's keys and phones, actually. And then I got, like, not got in trouble, but, like, eventually in group they were like, you're hurting yourself. Like, you're not yeah. helping them either. Like, it's not yeah even if it doesn't feel like it it's like if it doesn't feel like it yet yeah <laughs> and it's like really hard to 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 navigate and I have such issues setting boundaries because of my upbringing and like it comes up with like my dear lovely roommates who like I'm sure they'd be very comfortable with me saying this but like I have a really hard time like saying something that bothers me bottles up for a while and then I'm like a huge bitch for a second because like I couldn't like say something earlier about like a dish or some shit you know I realized I had a very similar quality to the the key thing a much more minor example but I was traveling with two two of my friends and they started fighting and I wanted to fix it because I'm the fixer (laughs) and um and so I was trying to 
something like really stupid over a drink. And so I was like, here, just have mine. And my friend in his infinite wisdom was like, this isn't your problem to solve. Drink your drink. And he was so right. Like in his like anger in that moment for him to have just like so clearly seen that and just Whoa. like call it. It's like a little scary, but also like oh, amazing. <laughs> but I carry that with me constantly now. Yeah. I was like, this isn't, it's not my responsibility to fix other people's issues. And yeah. I can't, it, I have to sit in the discomfort of not fixing other That's people's issues. That's the thing too. Is I was thinking like, I think part of the reason I also do that is like, am I really trying to help them or am I trying to help my anxiety yes. that this is happening? Yeah. Which is not, I don't mean that's a selfish thing or whatever, but I'm, those two know, things are very close. You need to work, or we need to work more like the very empathetic person oh, naturally. Yeah. And you're going to feel like, like I have certain people in my life that like, if they're not okay, I will feel extreme physical anxiety, mm-hmm. like to the point where I'm like throwing up, like, because I know that they're not okay. And it's like, I want to resolve that feeling within myself. So I'm like sort of trying to help them for them, but also to make it so that I can like just exist and like sleep and continue being a person. It's like when the boundaries get blurred like that, it's even harder to separate from that responsibility. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take my cigarette again because uh, (laughs) it's very frustrating as a veteran of these things. (laughs) No, sometimes I want to, like, take my friends who are, like, newer on their mental health journey and just, like, be like, fucking do this one thing. Like, and that's not helpful. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm so, for so long I was very self-conscious that I was behind in all these things. But now I'm sort of being like, whoa, I've been, like, hustling on my mental health. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true of everyone our age around us. So it's, like, kind of a weird place to be in where I'm, like, I wish I could, like, take all these lessons and just, like, put them in your fucking brain because, like, life is so much easier when you can do this. Well, you can't do that. I'm like, right, they what the hell is I going to do it? You also have to learn the lesson in the context of your own trauma. And exactly. Own yeah. 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 Ugh, it can't fix people. Um, is there anything else you want to say? I feel like I should say something, like, huh? Oh, we tried to talk about coping mechanisms. Oh, that, yeah. That just got us done. Right. I'm just going to get <laughs> dark really fast. But I don't know. No, dude, I'm, like, so silly about this shit. I was, like, I say things in the darkest and lightest of way. I think, was it? Oh, yeah. You said this about, like, the music I write, uh, which was, like, it, it's such dark content and, like, sounds like the happiest thing yeah, ever. It's like it's, like, very kind of, like, light and, like, just like nice to listen to, but then the lyrics are like very impressive. I love. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's both one of my biggest coping skills and like something that can hold me back too. But like, I like to talk about things in a harsh way. My my friend who I lost, like, I I hate saying like she passed. Um, I'm like, for some people that's awesome. For me, that makes me want to throw up. And I'd be like, my best friend died. Like, yeah, that makes me feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, having a silliness about it, and then, like, you know, the basic stuff, like, I play music to cope. I, uh, honestly, tattooing has been such a good coping thing, especially for focus stuff, because all of a sudden I have this thing that I can hyper-focus on. Like, yeah. it's, my brain and my hands fucking love it. So I'm like, I want to make this a career, because I, 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's because it's this repeated, because I'm hand poking right now. I don't know. I can't use machine hand. But I'm, it's a repetitive, like, tiny little movement. That's basically my fidget that I have. And so my brain's, like, free, you know? I, yeah. It's cool that you found that so yeah. quickly. You I know, I still have my fear of, fear of losing interest. And, like, I've had other things yeah. that, you know, I'm, I'm able to find something. Yeah. Like, there's probably something really important that I didn't talk about. We covered a lot. I know. I could talk about this for so long. Yes. Take your meds, kids. Oh, uh, resources maybe. Like, if you think you have ADD or ADHD, watch um, this YouTube channel, How to ADHD. She's like kind of nerdy and like bubbly and like kind of annoying me at first, but now I'm obsessed with her. She's really smart. And also, um, Katie Morton on YouTube. She's like a licensed therapist. Uh, Katie with like K A. I think but like has all these like gorgeous videos like about all these different like I don't know they're just very informative and feel a little bit like therapy and it's just free and I think that's where can people find uh, you more like information about your music your sure. basically yeah. and mostly all this on my Instagram like every other person my age um, which is just at Zoe Michaels Z-O-E-Y-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S so yeah, eventually my I don't have my tattoo license yet, but eventually all my work will be up there. Um, once that's legal, all my music's there, my artwork's there, my pretty face is there. I'm like kind of in and also kind of in myself, and we're gonna live there over and out. Peace out, motherfucker. All right. Well, no, I don't know. Over yet. Just kidding. No, thank you so much for coming. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. I love talking about my brain. That was awesome. Yes. Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you so much, Zoe. That's exactly everything I dreamed a conversation with Zoe would be like. <laughs> like she's just so great. And she has she's been like dealing with her stuff for so long that like her knowledge of herself, I feel like, is like seven layers deep yeah 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 which i think is so cool yeah yeah agreed yeah i think it's such a good example of just how complicated mental health is to me and yet she has such a good just like the 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 adhd there's the addiction element there's a trauma element there's parent stuff there's eating disorders and anxiety and like there's all these things yeah and it's not black and white and we could put all these names on them but actually like the symptoms overlap and some of them feel more like a diagnosis some feel more like symptoms and ultimately it's irrelevant because she has a handle on her situation and she's doing the work to have that handle right and like it shows that you don't necessarily need to like have one strict diagnosis it's like you can experience a bunch of different behaviors and like learn from how people cope with these different things but also like adapt it to your own personal situation not be following like some sort of prescribed plan for like how this illness is supposed to go yeah 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 i feel like she's very okay with living in the kind of like gray area of it which is very cool yeah 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 and it's been really interesting hearing so many different at this point so so all three (laughs) even so with all 
like different illnesses, different experiences with those mental illnesses, that there's a, a certain comfort with that comes from a diagnosis or lack thereof. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. um, so we got her comfort from the ADHD and using that as a superpower and for, mm-hmm. um, Haley, like putting the name depression on it really empowered her to deal with her issues. And similarly with Alex and yeah. his bipolar and we feel the same way too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting how freeing it is to how common it is to get mm-hmm. that, that freedom, but yeah. also learning about symptoms of other things too, mm-hmm. enough to know yeah. where to use that. And yeah. like, yeah, I don't I don't have particular thoughts on this, but I think it's because it, it's it's a complicated, it's a complicated concept. Yeah. But it, I think she used just such a like lively depiction of this complicated concept yeah. to come to fruition in a really beautiful way. Yeah, absolutely. What are you gonna do for your mind this weekend? <laughs> I forgot that we had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going home to Minnesota for a week tomorrow morning at like seven a.m. Um, and I'm going to take it as sort of a like writing retreat for myself I'm going to (laughs) I'm going to commit myself to writing a minimum a thousand words a day um just of literally anything doesn't have to be like coherent doesn't have to be a project I'm working on whatever literally anything um because I've been having like severe writer's block for like a long time like too long um and that has been causing me a lot of anxiety because writing is like my outlet and not being able to write is like very very frustrating um so that I'm also going to sleep a lot yes I'm gonna rest I'm gonna um try to do as little other work besides writing as humanly possible um, cause this is going to be my first time like being awake in the office since I started this job and I'm going to see my friends. It's just going to be a nice, hopefully chill week that is hopefully not full of a bunch of family drama <laughs> because every time I go home, I feel like I'm somehow confronted with some new drama that I didn't know existed i just yeah. wish somebody would tell mom i know you're listening to this i wish you would like <laughs> tell me when something bad is happening before i come home something has to be told face to face i'm told they, they don't <laughs> phone calls just as good um yeah what are you gonna do for your mind this week i don't know i i'm starting at a little bit of a, a i always hate saying this like i don't want to jinx it I don't want to jinx that I'm coming out of my depressive episode and then like find out tomorrow that I'm just feeling really, really shitty, but it's starting to feel like maybe I am yeah. coming out of it. So I'm, I I want to keep doing what I'm doing, which is like keep my routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might maybe have a job opportunity coming up, but I have a couple like I have an exercise I need to work on this weekend for that. So, um, I'm going to focus on that and feel productive and get a job and then um, everything will be great in the world. Yeah, because when you achieve your goals, you're immediately happy then and forever. Exactly. (laughs) 
No, no, no. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that getting a job. No, no, but no, it's 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 something I'm very I'm guilty just being of. Very sarcastic. No, but it's something that I'm very guilty of falling into the trap of while I don't have a job. But oh, I'm completely like that with everything. I'm like, okay, like when I when I have this kind of job, when I have this apartment, when I have this much money, like yeah. I'll be everything will be fine. And then like I get those things, I'm like everything's not fine. I I'm, nothing's fine. Honestly, because the job thing for me specifically, I've never had a job that I'm like, this is the job. Like, this is a job I want to do. I've yeah. never had that. Um, so, and I've been out of college for like over 10 years. So <laughs> in a decade, I have not had a job that I feel really like good about. Um, and I think honestly, that's one of the reasons why, speaking of always thinking about death, I thought I saw Anthony Bourdain on the street the other day. And then I was like, nope, death. <laughs> that, would, uh, that would be an interesting story. Death on the mind. But one of the things that was most striking to me about Anthony Bourdain dying specifically is like, yeah, that was like a year ago, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Um, was that like, and I know this isn't how it works, but I was like, he had the dream job. Like he was living his right. dream. And so it was a really good reminder to me that the, those things aren't, they're not fixers. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's great to have those things go well in your life, but that's not going to fix my depression. It's not going to fix my grief or my anxiety or any of it. There's this, I was listening to, I forget what podcast, but like there's this, there's a word or a phrase like to describe that. And it's like, um, it's sort of like at, like to a certain degree, like achieving things will make you happy, like, or like getting things that you want up to a point, like up to the point where you're like financially secure, Mm -hmm. where you are like moderately fulfilled whatever like and you you're not worrying about like putting food on the table stuff like that you're not worrying about meeting your family's basic needs like things will fulfill you up to that point and then everything else you get from there up is not going to like bring up your happiness in a long-term way like that's scientifically yeah true yeah yeah which is kind of very depressing but also human well, but I think it's a good reminder to focus on the other thing. Right. Um, but because the, the what feels of the like very tangible, practical things that make up an adult life. Yeah. The thing that has been most missing for me is the job. I very quickly fall into like once I get a job, things will be yeah. fixed. And yeah. so it's a, I know you're being sarcastic, but it was a really good yeah. reminder for me to be like, <laughs> no, this is it's a great thing that could happen yeah, if it and happens it, it and I might hope it does, improve but, your life in a lot of ways but I mean um, I mean for yeah. sure but yeah yeah um thanks for listening to another one I know this one was a long one but hopefully it was worthwhile because we got to dig into some really good stuff yes um keep listening tell your friends uh spread it on social media yeah spread the share word. like if you're enjoying listening, sharing it on Facebook or even like on Twitter or Instagram or Instagram stories, if you don't want to mess up your feed, I get it. Write a um, review. Write a review on any of those places or especially on iTunes, please. It's so good. Or just leave a rating. Like it takes two fucking seconds to leave a rating. Please. Only if it's good. Only if it's good. Please it's do good. not give us one star. We do not deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can find us uh, at Where's My Mind Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at Where's My Mind Pod.com. Email us at Where's My Mind Pod at gmail.com. 
and we will see you next week. Stop.